0: Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you got to know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew.
1: At Mountain Dew, we'd like to recognize the number zero for making Mountain Dew zero sugar possible. You have no reason not to try it, as in zero. Get it? Crack open an ice-cold Mountain Dew zero sugar. It's zero sugar, all Dew.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. And, yep, we're still in our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, over the past 28 years, the email address has not changed. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com and all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. To find out about the great programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And we're heard around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, the Mutual Broadcast Network, the Exxon Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. Exonation. my guest this hour, is Guy, Mal- uh, Guy Malone, and uh, a childhood experiencer of visitor phenomenon. Guy Malone is perhaps best known for his book, Come Sail Away, UFO Phenomena and the Bible, and his controversial public lecture detailing a probable terrestrial or man-made explanation for the famous... 1947 Roswell crash. In 1997, Guy moved to Roswell, New Mexico as a missionary targeting those whose belief in aliens had become their religion. He has worked off and on with the Roswell UFO Festival in various capacities over the years and has organized several independent conferences bringing together top UFO researchers with different beliefs to compare their views. He has appeared on in many publications and documentaries, including the History Channels, UFOs, and the Bible. He is currently he currently has a prominent role in the new documentary film, Alien Intrusion, Unmasking a Deception, which opens in 700 U.S. theaters this January, or January past, I should say, and is currently playing internationally. Joining us now is Guy Malone. And Guy, welcome back to the Exxon.
1: It's great to be back, Rob. It has been many years, I believe.
2: It has, but... I'm glad you're with us today. Congratulations on all that you've accomplished over the years, Guy. And um, when you were with us a couple of years ago, we talked about your man-made view of the 1947 Roswell incident. Could you recap that for us who may have not heard you back then but are listening to you now around the world?
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. It's um, I'm far from the only researcher who's uh, taken this angle lately, going back as far as uh, the year 2000. Ah, uh, one of your guests, uh, Mike Kaiser, mm-hmm. uh, was my introduction to this line of thinking. And when I get the opportunity to lecture publicly in Roswell on it, you got to understand I'm presenting a man-made view of the Roswell incident during the UFO Festival <laughs> when people have traveled from all over the world to hear about aliens. Yeah, so I when I <laughs> I'm get up in front of a room to do a lecture on this. before people even uh, might want to walk out on me, I'll say that, All you need to do uh, to almost completely convince yourself of this point of view, and I'll say this to your listeners as well, is Google the term Operation Paperclip and the term Nazi UFOs. Yeah. And you will convince yourself of this view in less than an hour. I don't even have to have an audience. If you have access to the Internet... The information that is available today Mm -hmm. that has been declassified in the last decade or two that people simply didn't have access to during the the 1940s and then the 1970s and the 1990s when all of this uh the alien view was being most heavily promoted or believed or investigated and then i'd say popularized by hollywood and ufo researchers none of this was available But it's now it's extremely well known that the Germans, during World War II, the Nazis, Mm -hmm. they were uh, inventing these advanced aircraft. Uh, There's uh, pictures and websites um, detailing the the prototype views, the plans that the the advanced Nazi engineers were coming up with. Mm
0: -hmm. They didn't
1: have a whole lot of operational models, but those that did, um, when you compare their photos and even their sketches, diagrams, Uh, when you compare what is now available to, say, eyewitnesses of the Roswell crash, uh, the famous books by, like, Kevin Randall, Don Schmidt, Mm -hmm. those ones that came out um, first popularizing the Roswell incident as an alien crash, they also, they talked to eyewitnesses that were rounded up, military people, and they drew what they saw, what they claimed to have cleaned up. And when you put those images side by side with the German Nazi Mm -hmm. experimental prototype craft, of the era, you're you're like, holy cow, that's that's a match. And it's really powerful when you do it on a PowerPoint and do them side by side. But what a lot of people also didn't know about in the 90s, or until the 90s when this became uh, declassified, Mm -hmm. was that the United States government, through a program called Operation Paperclip, brought over 100 German Nazi technological scientists to the U.S. We stuck them in underground bases, Right here in New Mexico, Fort Bliss, Texas, Dayton, Ohio, where the, uh, if you know your Roswell lore, that's where the, uh, the wreckage wound yep. up after it was shipped out of Roswell and out of Texas. So we had uh, Nazis on the U.S. payroll living on foreign soil, but the president at the time, Truman, had said, no, we, we weren't going to allow this, but it was happening anyway, and we brought them over for the same reason that Russia and uh, Argentina and other countries smuggled the Nazi scientists out of Germany before they could face war crimes is, is uh, for the advanced technology. You know, um, Sounds like you are familiar with the view. Nick Redburn has uh, got a lot of headway with his on oh, yeah. uh, conferences and appearances too. I know you've uh, spoken with him on yes. this too. He and I, uh, we were on the front page of the Roswell Daily Record this last summer uh, sharing the headline, uh, putting the terrestrial... Uh, back in extraterrestrial or something like that was the headline. It was very well done uh, article they did on he and I uh, sharing this view publicly.
2: So let me ask you, let me ask you this guy, all these so-called UFOs that people are seeing and reporting around the world.
1: What are they? I don't have one single answer Mm -hmm. uh, for anything, honestly. And because I don't think there is one single answer that encompasses everything I know if you talk to any uh, mutual UFO network Mm -hmm. uh, researcher or, you know, whether they're with MUFON or not, people always find out that up to 95% or more of the UFO sightings when investigated are simply misidentified. They're left that way to where where it really was, just an aircraft,
0: Mm -hmm. literally
1: the planet Venus, (laughs) not swamp gas, but literally the planet Venus is one of the more common uh, things that they find out. But, and there's only a tiny uh, single-digit percentage that, that mm-hmm. remain unidentified or unsolved, so, so to speak. And I think that there is a ton of man-made tech that any ground witness, even if they were in the military or even if they were a trained pilot and they, they saw their sighting in the air, that they simply would not be familiar with because it's so compartmentalized, need to know, that it would be – foreign or alien to them perhaps, but I do give a little credence to the 1% as well that could just be paranormal. What we used to call gins and genies Mm -hmm. or will of the wisps, um, all kinds of things like that. I think there is room for that, but because I have such a religious angle in a lot of my other work, I don't like to take the approach that I just write everything off as supernatural or demonic. That they, something really has to go through a lot of filters before I'll even go there to entertain, especially if you're just talking about a UFO sighting where someone on the ground, something comes close to them. It could be paranormal, it could be mad-made, but I would never say there's any one answer that covers everybody's experiences.
2: So why do you think the Roswell incident took off as the mecca of ufology?
1: Actually, use an interesting word, Mecca, both in the sense of um, as a religious center and as a financial Mm -hmm. um, hub as well. At the time, I completely, uh, for the most part, believed the eyewitnesses that they were looking at a craft that they had no idea what it was.
0: Right.
1: Some some of they, the the witnesses Mm -hmm. um, from from the era, uh, you could mention names like Frank Kaufman, who some people think is partly debunked and partly not but all the researchers like stanton friedman who have done the the heavy interviews you know uh before i even moved to Roswell mm-hmm. 20 i'm talking 20 or 30 years ago right is that they, they, they were they were encountered with something that they had no idea what it was they had no explanation for what they saw and that includes possibly bodies and that includes a type of metal that had strange characteristics mm-hmm. it takes a lot of research uh that you know guys, myself, McRedburn, Mike Heiser, and others have put out that actually there are terrestrial explanations for those things, but they were just unknown. They were uh, declass, they were classified back in the forties, fifties, and sixties. So kind of what gives it the hub is that they were willing to think outside of the box. Uh, They were willing to say, I don't know what this is. mm -hmm. Could it be alien? And it sparked the imagination. It did. Now, though, the present reality is it sparks a tourist uh, trade, and there's a lot of financial interest in promoting the alien view. Sure. I, I live in the, in the middle of that as well.
2: Guy, stand by. You and I have to take our first break. Exo Nation, Guy Malone is our special guest. His website is www.roswellmission.org. And uh, Guy and I will be back on the other side of this break discussing Roswell UFOs, we're going to be talking about the, the terrestrial religious aspect, and much, much more. Once again, his website, www.roswellmission.org. I'm Rob McConnell, don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Guy Malone is my special guest. His website is www.roswellmission.org. Listen, living in Roswell, does that put you to odds with the others there who see the the um, UFO alien <laughs> presence as being a cash cow for the city?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it can and it has, uh-huh. but it doesn't always have to. Ah, uh, there've been uh, you'd say a couple of different regime uh, changes, so to speak, mm-hmm. both in the town politics, the UFO festival itself, even the UFO museum itself, over the the decades. Honestly, and I came in nineteen ninety nine, and at the time, uh, my different views on many things, but they really did have me kind of outcast or censored. You know, I, I couldn't get um, I could if I put the money in, I may or may not get an ad published in the newspaper, even <laughs> at the time, um, i finding an audience because, but the thing is what i found is that Roswell is a small town and that a lot of the people who are involved, they don't really know they haven't researched. They don't care one way or another, what really happened, um, in 1947, mm-hmm. it could be this, or it could be that you have people that are very prominent in the sales of say, T-shirts or or, or anything like that, that they, I don't necessarily mean it in a negative way that they're in it to make a buck, but as a source of income in a small town that has historically struggled for a a strong economy and relevance, it's just something that, you know, the tourism and the sales, it fixes the potholes, it makes sure there's air conditioning in the schools, Mm -hmm. therefore it is good. You know, there's no reason to mess with it. And what I've found after several years, I think, is that uh, I personally went to a lot of UFO conferences before I even really uh, carved out my own niche in Roswell. I'd go to UFO conferences around the, the country with these views, and it would one might think that it, that could also be a hostile environment, simply because they're very uh, new age, often, in, in leaning with, with their views. But the people that come to the UFO conferences and that come to Roswell, I learned, are They're they're interested. They're they're spending hundreds of dollars to travel hundreds of miles, taking their weeks' paid vacation to get on airplanes and go to hotels because something in them compels them to find the truth of this matter, whether they're experiences or whether they just have an intellectual curiosity. If you have something to say, they want to hear it. So if you're credible, if you're not fanatic, and if you can state – pretty succinctly or reasonably mm-hmm. why you believe what you believe, they actually appreciate you. Really? They may take your material. They may or may not buy your book. They'll say, give me your website. I'll check it out later, and then mm-hmm. they'll slink away. So uh, I found a measure of success with, the I'd say, the, the crowds, the seekers, the audiences, the, um, my views, my effort, my work, was actually more appreciated than in the hometown of Roswell, from the from the visitors that would come through here and that in itself began to lend a sort of credibility to where you go to these ufo conferences around the country or you you, or even in roswell eventually people's different views don't seem to be the the issue anymore right it's the fact that if you're in the field of ufology in any way shape or form you're already the lunatic fringe to most of society. So whether you agree with this person across the room from or not, darn it, your family, you know, <laughs> you, you get to where you actually enjoy seeing the people that you know disagree with you because, you know, you may continue your conversation, but then even here in Roswell, I've found that a lot of the people, they're just, they're either public employees like city parks and rec mm-hmm. or uh, city managers and things like that. They're not vested either um, in the man-made or the alien view of Roswell they're not vested in one religious view or another or how such topics could impact that. If Roswell was known for having the largest ball of string on the planet Earth and that attract tourists, yeah. I, I think that I think that most of the same people who are involved in the UFO industry would be involved in the largest ball of string industry in, in Roswell. But what does that do so, for the
2: credibility? Of, and the belief of so many that Roswell actually was a place where extraterrestrial craft crashed and that the bodies as well as the craft were flowing out of there. And What does this say about the, the so-called witnesses who, who came forward over the years to give statements? Um, doesn't that tarnish the town, its reputation, and the very topic of UFOs?
1: Not in the way that you're phrasing it, because, again, I feel most of the witnesses are pretty credible. They're telling the truth. You can go back 50 years ago. I mean, Mm -hmm. the idea of aliens is ludicrous. That these people stepped outside of the comfort zone and suggested that this was possible, they did so at at the cost of reputation, friends, and family, Mm -hmm. um, for, for, for starters. So I don't really disparage the witnesses or the people that were involved, especially in the early years of this. The thing is when tourists come or when documentary filmmakers and all that come to Roswell, like they have uh, many times in the years I've been here,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I would say that the burden of proof for your claims is what makes you credible or not. How well can you prove it's like, okay, well, there's this ship. I'd never seen the design before mm-hmm. the metal did this and I've never had. And there were these bodies that looked a little weird. Mm-hmm. Therefore aliens. What I've managed to do in other researches is, is that there are fantastically terrestrial explanations yeah. for even even the bodies.
2: But why don't we uh, hear more of the, the terrestrial explanations? Why do we keep hearing the extraterrestrial claims and the extraterrestrial you know, explanations? Why don't we get to the truth? Right,
1: frankly, oh, well, frankly I, I think that view has what uh, you'd call first-mover advantage in almost any other economy is that that view was popularized because it was the only possible view. And people didn't know about Operation Paperclip until at least the 70s. Mm -hmm. It wasn't in a book until the 90s. The the fact that Nazi scientists were building these winged triangle-shaped craft that had different methods of propulsion, and side by side with Ken Arnold's famous flying saucer photograph, Mm -hmm. it's the same craft, and you know it now, when a researcher comes out with 50 years of hindsight and says, right. "Here's what it was," but Steven Spielberg hasn't made a movie about that view.
2: All right, but knowing but knowing the 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 Operation Paperclip existence, knowing that when you put the information about Operation Paperclip next to the the witness statements and so on and so forth of the members of ufology. One has to wonder what the ultimate goal of organizations like MUFON is if they are continuing to dispel fiction.
1: Yeah, MUFON's bigger than just the Roswell incident, so they're they're doing a worldwide body of work that they're they're investigating. But I definitely see your point. Yeah, um, there's. Uh, it's such a common question. I actually have a PowerPoint slide for it for uh, for the end of my lectures mm-hmm. when it comes up. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know the quote, but it's like uh, it goes that it's hard to convince a man of one point of view, or it's hard to convince a man to understand something when his paycheck depends upon him not understanding it. But it so no matter what the evidence you present yeah. or here's an explanation for the bodies. Here's a very valid explanation for the medals. Here's a very valid explanation yeah. for how the ship got here and how it crashed
2: so let me let, let me they, para- may,
1: they may not believe that, yeah. but your audiences that don't have a vested interest or one way or the mm-hmm. other they walk away and and often come to a very different conclusion than the people who are claiming it, therefore it had to be aliens
2: so so let me let me ask or let me put it this way. the only reason that ufology is so prevalent when it comes to the Roswell incident, is that because people are making money off it, and as long as people are making money off it, the myth stays
1: alive. That is probably uh, three-quarters of the battle right there, yeah, and there's the I want to believe factor. There are a certain number of people that Mm -hmm. they've just made up their mind. They want to believe uh, aliens exist. They want to believe aliens crashed at Roswell, and no arguments otherwise or will they even be open to hearing or, or suggesting? As a, they will a, walk by mm-hmm. conferences and proofs that offer different things. They won't read the books. They won't even Google the terms Operation Paperclip yeah. or not to UFOs. As,
2: as, a, as a missionary, okay, you, mm-hmm. dea- you deal with belief, you deal with theology, you deal with with religious connotations. How does this sit with you that you have these people who are actually looking at something and wanting to believe it even though it doesn't exist and yet these are probably the same people who don't believe in god
1: well funny uh you've made a very uh good argument for when you say they want to believe in something that doesn't exist mm-hmm. is that uh, i hate to say it sometimes but ufology truly is a faith-based religion oh i agree um it's it's they 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 no amount of evidence that they, they think you're stupid if you don't believe like they do they will argue with you yeah. and refute your evidence. It's kind of funny to be the religious or the Christian guy who's, you know, I have no problem admitting that my belief that Jesus Christ rose from the dead mm-hmm. is my religious belief. Yes, I can't necessarily present to you or anybody evidence of that claim. It's a personal experience where I believe he yeah. spoke to me. And if you think I'm a religious nut for believing in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I can't prove to you the resurrection, for example, Mm -hmm. just like the ufologist can't prove aliens even exist to start with. And they can't prove that they crashed at Roswell, but they are often very ardent in um, evangelizing other people to that belief. Uh, Money aside, Mm -hmm. it, it is a kind of a religious culture world. Even though the idea of whether or not God could have created life or another, well, of course he could have. Nobody disagrees with that. Uh, it really does come down to the question of, of what does the observable evidence, sure. you know, science and reason, et cetera. Guy, stand by. I've happens, got to take
2: my so. break at the bottom of the hour. so Nation, Guy Malone sure. is my guest. And his website is www.roswellmission.org. And Guy and I will be back after the news. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Guy Malone is my guest. www.roswellmission.org You know, you're described as a missionary of sorts. In what way does the alien topic become a religious view or an alternative belief
1: system, Guy? It's kind of when people take the factual experiences, or at least what they believe, Mm -hmm. and then start injecting um, some... (laughs) almost irrational things to it it's uh but one of the more common things i think that was made popular um first uh almost 15 years ago of the ufos in the bible history channel Mm -hmm. special kind of the uh the the prelude to ancient aliens right Uh, dr heiser and i were uh, both interviewed for that and a few others is that people want to believe aliens exist so hard um whether it's true or not i mean. i'm Maybe they do, but, yeah. that, but that they're visiting Earth and that they're crashing here and that they're abducting people. is What they'll do is they'll open up the Bible and they reinterpret it as a UFO story.
2: Yeah, and I've it's seen that happen. The greatest
1: UFO yeah. story ever told, mm-hmm. like that whole fire by day, cloud by night. Yeah. Well, that was a UFO that the Israelites followed. Yeah. When Elijah went up in the sky, he was beamed aboard the mothership. Same with Jesus. That whole Immaculate Conception bit, it's called hybridization, But you humans, 2,000, 4,000 years ago, where you were just so stupid, you didn't understand technology when you ran into it. So you invented things like gods and aliens. That's the classic uh, way people interpret it as make a religion out of it, even to the point of saying that aliens created all life on Earth. So that sounded crazy 15 and 20 years ago. When people like uh, Dr. Heiser and I were saying this is where it's going, mm-hmm. and now it's popular movies, Prometheus, all that stuff. Yeah. It's it's all over the place now. The aliens probably created life on Earth as a science experiment, and it's also the basis of the Raylan religion, to give one example.
2: I had uh, I was speaking to Doctor uh, Reverend Doctor Barry Downing earlier this week, and you know I've known Barry for twenty some odd years now, and that is his belief you know and this is what he talks about
1: it is uh yeah. he's he uh his book was actually it came out i think in 1968 the same year i was born i'll mm-hmm. turn 50 this this week so i think it's kind of oddly providential that the year he published that book was was i born as a to counter i don't know it's always been a weird thought for me but um i've had very limited in fact i misquoted him once and he called me out but i've had very limited <laughs> experience with him uh, personally, even via email. But you're right, that is a popularized belief out there, even though if I'm correct or not, he'll say, this could have been this. This could have been this. Is it possible? He's real careful in in his phrasing, and I think his beliefs are are orthodox on Jesus. I, I think he would actually be offended if someone said the Immaculate Conception was really an alien hybridization and that Jesus is half-alien, that's mm-hmm. where he got all those superpowers from.
0: But
1: that's the belief that's out there. He may be responsible for starting the train rolling in that direction. He might not even be happy with where it's wound up, but I, I certainly can't speak for him. But I know a lot of people like the Raelian religion is the classic example. Scientology is, is another example. If you've seen the South Park uh, episode that reveals what they actually believe about aliens and the origins of life on oh. Earth— is that people I I think they have just when you believe in a creator, when you believe in a God, there are just some absolutes that come with that. And if you want to reject that, if you want to reject your responsibility to live in accordance with those absolutes, some may say laws, rules, morals, consequences, you're going to wind up inventing or substituting things that are so similar, you still feel spiritual. And what has happened with the UFO phenomenon by calling um, angels, good ones or bad ones, fallen angels or, or good ones, when, when you're, you're saying, well, those are the angels from the Bible. Yeah. It's, it's just a slippery slope. I, I think in today's um, economy, you, you can see how far it's gone. You've had lots of guests that have elucidated points of view. But it, it winds up, ultimately, you have to choose one or the other. You will literally reject the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, as his sole incarnation, et cetera, et cetera, if you believed the claims of ufology, at least the, the more uh, spiritual, religious-leaning claims of them, and it does become a mission field. Uh, I think... Uh, you have to present some pretty convincing evidence to people that this is not what they think it is. And that's really where a lot of our work, myself and others that you may have known of, Joe Jordan, Mike Heiser, have come in and actually been able to change some people's minds.
2: Let me ask you this. As a missionary and a man who believes in God, Jesus Christ, and, and the good book, why do you think there is such a need by so many to believe in extraterrestrials?
1: I I think Mike uh, Heiser did a real good job on a 2009 lecture of why people believe in an extraterrestrial God. They are trying to replace responsibility Mm. to live in your life as if there is a God by taking the, oh, the, the aliens are omnipotent. They know everything about me. They've been looking over me my entire life. Yeah. Um, they they have a plan you know the the classical theological term is providence <laughs> you know they, they have a plan they abducted me and they raped me and they poked me and prodded me and they cloned me and before i was even born in this life in a past life i agreed to it for the good of the for the good of humanity to where and that's my experience. You know, my book is kind of autobiographical. Yeah. My my whole interest in this started because I'm an ex- I'm an abductee. I'm an experiencer. I spent half my life in fear, sort of, that these were going to come back for me. Because so that's what Whitley Striever's book said. You know, in your yeah. 30s, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen to your children. Um, Tell us about your experience. Uh, yeah, it was mostly childhood experiences. Some of it is now, even back, I told you I was, I'm almost 50. So when I grew up, There was no internet or X-Files or even uh, Steven Spielberg feeding these belief systems. I have a lot of memories that sometimes I call them dreams. Sometimes I call them daytime playmates, but like of large um, entities with big eyes um, trying to tear me apart and eat me, holding Uh me to my bed when I was a kid, Uh, travel, looking out windows on a train, where these nurses with big eyes and masks covering their face literally were having uh, sex with me. And I write about this. I put it online in the 90s as a after the Heaven's Gate cult suicide. Yes. Uh, one of the more conscious memories has to do with a praying mantis in my front yard, except he was like three or four feet tall. And I was kind of held there just to listen to him do his little teaching on me. And I was about eight by then, I think, if I remembered it correctly, when I wrote it down 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember my feeling at the time was I knew I didn't like these guys, but I was also powerless to stop them. So when I say he gave me a long teaching session, it's not that his mouth moved. It it seemed kind of telepathic, honestly. But when he was gone, I just went back to playing in my front yard. There's an actual timeline memory there. No, more detailed. Um, I'm not just trying to sell a book. You can read all this oh, online. I understand that. I understand that, that guy. Mentioned. Say that again?
2: I, I said, I know that, and I appreciate that, and I respect yes. that. Oh,
1: thank you, yeah. But those experiences, you know, once the Internet came, once mm-hmm. Whitney Strieber wrote his book, once TV shows started covering this stuff, I, I genuinely believe now, with a ton of hindsight, that the same phenomenon 500 years ago was called fairies and elves... Or incubus and succubus is what modern people who don't believe in fairies who don't really believe in god or in angels anymore or demons we're now in this 21st century 20th we call it aliens because that's what our semi-scientific worldview comes up with who knows what this same phenomena would or could be called a hundred or a thousand years from now I i bet if the world lasts so long and all that stuff, you know, nice Christian, short sure, the Lord, carry disclaimers aside, mm-hmm. people will probably look back and laugh at our views of aliens a thousand years from now the same way we would look at England and Ireland and so much belief in the leprechauns and fairies. That They will look at us the same way, I'm pretty sure, but I'm willing to bet the phenomena will still be there. It'll just have a different name.
2: I, I would imagine that another way that ufology parallels uh religious philosophy is that both are based on faith without evidence
1: that, that's a good point but i think the ufologists would actually uh call themselves scientists more so oh jeez i don't think um,
2: i'd call them a scientist <laughs>
1: I might be because I'm I'm around them a little yeah. bit more in the last two decades. I might be even more charitable than you're <laughs> open <hoping> to because <laughs> um, you know some of them are my friends in, in a sense. You know, um, I live in a town with people that you know I'm going to see them at Walmart and this that the other thing. You know, okay. It's just, Hey Bob, hey Bill, hey Art. It's it's like the. Uh, the old cartoon of the coyote and the uh, dog clocking oh, yeah. out at the end of the day after fighting. That's maybe right. Maybe there's an element of that in my life that makes it harder for me to be objective when I'm talking publicly these days.
0: Well,
2: I've got a reputation of calling it as I say it, so we're just going to let that slide for now. But when you listen to people like Len Caston talking about the astronauts that went to Planet Serpo and came back, or if you listen to... Uh, another mufon, I can't remember his name, but he claims that he was a tail gunner on a UFO that was parked on mm-hmm. the other side of of Jupiter. You listen mm-hmm. to Daryl Sims about that 50 mile long, no, 600 mile long, 50 mile high UFO that circles the Earth. Something's mm-hmm. not right somewhere. <laughs> Maybe it's too much caffeine. I
1: do. No, I too call for evidence. I call it yeah. you know, I call BS. I'm like, okay, so you were aboard this spaceship for so long or it's this big and they returned you. Could you not have grabbed a box of matches? Uh oh, matchbook or something yeah. to prove? Can you give me any evidence? Well, you and I My have to findings... go to we've got
2: to go to our final break. Please stand by guy. Nice having you with us. Congratulations on everything you do, and it's nice to talk to somebody who talks sensibly in this subject. Along with Nick Redford. I've been
1: accused of that a lot.
2: Well Uh, We'll be back on the other side of this break with our guest this hour, Guy Malone. His website is roswellmission.org. Don't go away. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www. New Visions.com The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Moran Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought provoking tell all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought, reform, and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website,
0: www.williamspeckham.com.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is The X I'm Rob McConnell. My guest this hour is Guy Malone. His website is roswellmission.org. Um, over the years, talking to so many people doing this show now in the 28th year, there are so many different encounters. There are so many different types of extraterrestrials, so many different things that happen during uh, an abduction how, do, how does anybody know how to separate the wheat from the chaff?
1: That is, you mean the liars from the prodsters?
2: There think, you go.
1: I, I generally lean towards, <laughs> I'm going to default to believing Okay. People first. I'm going to believe that they had an experience. Mm-hmm. The experience they're describing, however, they're interpreting it because of society and their own mindsets as aliens I've come recently in the last decade anyway to really see that the the Bible is full of visions sure visionary experiences yep. with super powerful entities the entire book of revelation ezekiel uh, the valley of dry bones when you when you understand that much of the Bible that is classified as history stuff that really happened yep. Well, it really happened in visions. It really happened in dreams. I'm not going to get to heaven and accuse John the Revelator, who who or Isaiah, who ate these scrolls. They tasted the honey. They they had these marks on their bodies. They had these experiences. They went these places. I'm not going to look at John and say, "Well, you know, John, that was really just a dream. It didn't happen."
0: <laughs>
1: so I, I I treat the people that have fantastic experiences the same way. They've got a they've got a really go out of their way to convince me that they're lying before I'll I'll even go there. They may be attention-seeking. They may be trying to print something for money. Mm -hmm. You know, best of luck to them. I I think audiences today are a little more sophisticated and can weed out those type of people. But the ones that have an experience, they have a passion. They have a belief system. I just happen to think that the Bible actually frames the experiences with angels, fallen and not. There's powerful entities that induce vision-like states that are so real you can't discern them from reality. And they do happen to multiple people once or twice in the Bible at the same time. I'm, I'm talking corroborating witnesses to an event that did not happen in 3D space and time. I think if it's an angel from God, he's doing something that God once done. Mm-hmm. But I think a fallen angel is taking you a place and leaving you with a message or an impression. Like you know very well, these experiences become evangelists. Yeah. Uh, for their points of view, more so than just booksellers.
2: You know, uh, I've heard so many times by ufologists and and so-called experts that if they were brought into a court of law, they could win based on the evidence that they have. So what we did was we came up with a concept for a television show, Hmm. and we sent out invitations to the top so-called experts We would pay their airfare, their hotel, we would pay them a fee, but there was a condition. They had to take a polygraph test. Do you know how many people took us up on that? Not one. All of them. (laughs) No.
1: All of them that were telling the truth, which would be
2: none. Not one of them took us up. Not Mm. one. So what does that tell you? And, yeah, these are the same people who are telling us that they have the evidence that, based on, what, based on the testimony, the eyewitness testimony, that they could go into, court, into a court of law and win the case. They were given the opportunity, and they all declined because they would have to take a lie Good detector for
1: you. test. Good for you. Well, um, uh, not only do I love what, what you said there, the, the offer you made, I think the difference in my approach is that I will pay my own airfare and lodging, mm-hmm. to come to you and take your polygraph and present you the evidence for what I believe. I'll do that at my own expense. That's called a missionary. Yeah, but, yeah, but you see,
2: what you're, <laughs> ta- what you're talking about makes sense. It, I appreciate that. It mm-hmm. makes sense. Like you're talking about Operation Paperclip. You're, you're calling a spade a spade. And last time I had, I think it was Len Kasten who said, "Rob, if you're, you're such a skeptic, you're a non-believer, why do you keep <laughs> doing your show?" I said, "Because the truth is out there, and I'm not going to stop until I find it. If there's a UFO out there, I want to see, if I want to see it. If there's a dead alien, yeah. I want to see it. If there's a big, If there's a, a bigfoot, I want to see it. I am so tired of listening to all these stories without any evidence. And they just don't get
1: it. When I present, I've even said in this summer is that I was not alive in 1947. I'm not an eyewitness. Mm -hmm. I actually can't present to you dead bodies with progeria or more as uh, Nick Redfern puts it, prisoners of war. Yeah. Yeah. And things like that. I don't have any burned bodies to show you. I don't have any kids with a disease that makes their head big, but I can give you government records of those exact same children were here in New Mexico in the 40s being tested for various things by our government. So even when I can't present um, smoking gun evidence, I like to present. Here's my reasonable hypotheses. You walk away and make up your own mind, which makes sense. A no. government program that was covered up because it was a crime against humanity and it was against the president's orders that is now declassified and everybody knows it and no harm, no foul. Everybody involved has been dead for fifty years, or was it aliens that still have not been proven to no, exist? No, listen, much it, less traveled to Earth.
2: You know, I, I yeah. believe Truman was part of it. He he knew it. This is why the the so-called MJ12 papers were were hoaxed. In order to keep the public thinking that it was UFOs, because if you Correct. keep the left hand busy, nobody'll bother to look at the right. And I had T.D. Yep. Barnes on here a couple of weeks ago, who worked at Area 51. Yeah. And you know, we were talking, and he said there are no, there were never any aliens from another planet at Area 51. There were never any crashed UFOs in Area 51. Area 51 was a test. Area for top secret military new inventions, it was a CIA base and when you get this from somebody who was actually there, why all the stories about the 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 UFOs, the underground city where the extraterrestrials are and you know he went in and told us about how the different air, aircraft companies like um Oh,
1: my Rocky God. Martin. Right,
2: right. They bring their, their, their projects that they want to sell to the government there to be tested. That's where the F-117 stealth bomber was tested before it went over, overseas uh, to the first um, Gulf War. It mm-hmm. makes sense when you look at the big picture, but when you only want to use tunnel vision and look at what you want to see and have selective uh, comprehension of any subject... What you want to believe is what you will manifest. And I think that this is a I big problem with, with the
1: UFO yeah, community. I agree with you. yeah. Your people, or the ones you're talking about, are going to say, well, that guy that worked at Area 51, maybe he never saw any aliens or tech. Yeah. But it's so compartmentalized, it wasn't his job description, so he didn't need to know.
2: Yeah. Tell me about the uh, documentary you're working on or that you worked on, Alien Intrusion, Unmasking a Deception.
1: Yeah, uh, I was interviewed for it, as yeah. well as someone else here in Roswell, um, a longtime partner of mine, Joe Jordan. It's actually a Christian-made uh, film. Love it. Uh, creation.com, Christian mm-hmm. Ministries International. Uh, he has a best-selling book called Alien Intrusion, and it's been huge on Amazon mm-hmm. for uh, close to a decade. He spoke over here in Roswell in 2009. Gary Bates. And his uh, um, ministry, his it's a large organization globally, they put the resources to spend about a year and a half into making a documentary. Um, and they interviewed me and many other experiencers, uh, like abductees or people that had uh, visitations or whatever um, th- that have been public uh, one way or another. The, uh, kind of the crux of my belief system is that um, my abductions, my experiences, I found... I wasn't being held by superior technology, mm-hmm. by aliens, because uh, literally, just like an exorcism, in the name of Jesus, these experiences eventually stop. And that has proven true for well over 100 people. And he interviewed some of them. and You've got real people giving their real stories. Uh, there's a little bit of theology in it. There's a little bit of science in it. But they're, they're arguments that people, that they either fall on deaf ears or they've already heard yeah. so, in some cases. But when you combine some good theology with some good science, and I make the point of CMI actually employs more credentialed scientists, like PhDs in various disciplines, than any other Christian organization or ministry in the world. So they've got PhD scientists uh, doing the, the space, you know, the faster-than-light yep. stuff, the the, the, the alien-seeding life on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. they got good money and good graphics on it. It was a good enough film that it got accepted by a company to uh, run in, uh, I think, over 700 U.S. theaters. It's coming to Roswell in March, and we're uh, hopefully running it during the UFO Festival as well. But I have found, i watched it, I'm in it, I tell some of my stories, and I also am one of many people that say these experiences stopped in the name of Jesus. And it kind of proves, along with the visionary experiences, uh, to, to people that are open to more than one point of view anyway, that if something stops in the name of Jesus, if an alien drops you in your bed or disappears or runs, that might be a spiritual phenomenon more so than it is honest extraterrestrial. So Gary's film covers some of those stories, mine included. I think I've five, maybe six times at different clips in the documentary. Right. It also includes Nick Redfern and Norio Hayakawa, from the uh, civilian defense thing that sure. studied Area 51 decades ago. Hey, listen, I hate to so, do this, I mean, Guy,
2: but we've run out of time for tonight. We'll have to have you back You on. bet. <laughs> thank, <laughs> okay. you so, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing, and I wish you continued success. And whatever happens, keep us in the loop, will you? Thank you, sir. I will. Take care, Guy. Exo Nation, Guy Malone. has been my guest. www.roswellmission.org. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X Zone with here's truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Dunk away. Modern Esoteric Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson